0: welcome to the inaugural episode of how to feel great in 20 minutes or less i'm your host scott c jones how to feel great or as we call it around the office htfg is a companion piece to the heavily pixelated podcast My guest on today's show is the incomparable Victor Lucas. Vic is a legend in the video game industry. I worked with Victor for over 10 years, and he is, without a doubt, one of the most consistently happy people I know. Let's bring Vic in now and see if we can understand what his secret is.
1: Check, check. Can you hear me? Hello, Vic. Are you there? Hello, check, check, test. Vic. Yo, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You sound great. Okay, fantastic. I plugged in a microphone.
0: Oh, man, so advanced. <laughs> I mean, always, whenever I uh, talk to you, you always, uh, you got all the equipment. You know how to use it.
1: <laughs> we we have a lot of old equipment, yes.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Are you uh, are you at home right now? Yeah, at home, yeah.
0: Okay. So you, do you have like 15, 20 minutes? Yep. Basically, the gist is this. I... um. I'm starting a new component to the show that I make. Uh, I feel like it's too heavy, you know, week to week. And so I wanted to kind of have an antidote to that. And I wanted to create something that really was a little more lighter and more playful, but also sort of addressed the same subject matter. You were, you know, one of the first people I I wanted to talk to because mood wise, uh, you know, emotionally, spiritually, like you are one of the happiest motherfuckers i've ever met like you're just happy all the time and and i know that you you, you know i envy you for many many reasons but your, your enduring uh unshakable happiness just really is inspiring to, it has been inspiring to me but i think it's inspiring to everyone around you i think everybody who has worked at ep like everybody remembers your happiness like somehow you get to the place Where you have this this unshakable happiness, and I love that about you. And I guess I just wanted to kind of find out what your secret recipe is. If you know, I don't know, you know, without thinking too much about it, just you know, like what is the secret to to having the smile that you have, having the laugh that you have, being in the good. I know, you you know, but just between us, like I know that sometimes you're a little gloomy, but it's very rare. Like it's maybe once every two years, you get a little gloomy.
1: Oh man, I I I go through all of that, you know. I yeah. a lot a lot of it is disappointing. Are are we rolling now? Or are we into? Well, this? Oh, we are,
0: but I don't have to. You know, it just records automatically. But we okay, don't have, gotcha. I I you can decide what you want you you want to share and not. Well, share. I just
1: yeah. I mean, I I'm totally comfortable talking about all this, but um, um, I I you know. I I don't think that it's – well, first of all, I found something that I really wanted to do with my life, Mm -hmm. which was make a show about video games. Mm -hmm. And so when I found that, that became a central um, life raft for me, you know, And I I had real, you know, internal pressure about what the hell I was going to do with my life when I was in my 20s. And I don't know what it was, but I had like this giant thudding, clicking clock that was Mm -hmm. just coming down. And I knew I had to figure something out by the time I was 30. Mm -hmm. And uh, I look back fondly on the work that I was doing then, which was mostly being a waiter, um, but also getting acting work with Mm -hmm. real joy and real fondness and love. What I appreciate about those times was that there was a simplicity to showing up for my shift every day and walking away with money and knowing that I, I um, positively impacted people's life during that shift. Um, And also there was a simplicity to auditioning and then getting a gig every once in a while. Yeah. I, but I hated that time as well. I, I hated thinking of people as wallets and as money when they would come into the restaurants. And so it was really, and, and I also hated the, you know, the lack of getting the auditions um, and trying to find that person that would understand that I was talented enough to hire. Um, I hated that as well. And so that really created this, um, anxiety within me to try to figure out what the hell I was going to do. And right. then when I, when I figured out what I was going to do, I, you know, it took a long time for me to, it, from my perspective, it, like internally it took a long time because I came up with the concept in 95 or well, 94, but 95, it was really starting to come together as a website. but it took two more years before we got on TV. Right. But the minute we did, uh, you know, and I remember it clearly, like it was frustrating and it was struggling. It was a struggle and it was hard. And, you know, we didn't know if we had money. We didn't know if there was a future, didn't know, yeah. if, you know, if I was going to be able to employ people, but the minute we had accomplished it. And I remember I lived in Kitsilano in Vancouver and I was walking home from downtown where our office was and I was mm-hmm. crossing the Barrage street bridge and I went, Holy shit. I, I made a dream happen because we were on TV and I was making $13,000 a year Mm -hmm. and, you know, hosting a show and producing a show. But, and and I just realized, holy shit, we made this happen. I had a terrible thing going on with me before, but we made it happen. And, and the minute.
0: But what do you mean when you say you had a terrible thing going on with you before? what, What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I was totally not happy. I was totally not what I wanted to, do. you know, like I, I would call Marcy, my wife from my shift at work going, yeah. please let me quit, please. I, yeah. I just want to focus 100% on EP and we needed the money. And she would say, no, you can't quit. We need the money to pay the rent. <laughs> and, and, and I was like almost in tears, but she was right. And, but I was so n- n- not happy there you know and not happy in that spot and but
0: do you do you think that's like that's like 95% of of people like everywhere that people have jobs that they don't want to go to anymore and they have yeah. a dream of something that they want to do but yes. you are one of the rare exceptional cases where you actually made that dream come true
1: Well, here's what I would say. And this is, this is coming from somebody that uh, did achieve the dream of making a show, but, and then also achieved the dream of making a production company, hiring a lot of people, which are two totally different things. And a lot of people come to me and say, how do you make a show? I want to make a show. And then I, I ask them, well, do you want to run a company and, and, you know, try to positively impact the lives of lots and lots of people and make sure that they're all doing Okay. Cause that's hard and that's, that's a different hard. thing, but it's also incredibly rewarding as well. Um, but it is totally different from just being creative and building something, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the technology of today allows very tiny teams or individuals to be able to be creative and express themselves. And it's very cool. Right. But, um, uh, I don't think that you necessarily have to, find the job that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. I think you have to find the things that make you happy mm-hmm. and you have to indulge them and lean into them and, um, appreciate you have to kind of look outside of yourself. And I, this is something that I've always been able to do. And I don't know if it's because of, um, my love of, uh, you know, entertainment or that I was an actor or whatever, but I've always been able to kind of look outside of the scene and see myself in the scene, Mm -hmm. and analyze how things are, and how my emotions are in context to how things are. Mm -hmm. And to be aware that, uh, you know, uh, moods are not permanent, you know, Mm -hmm. and emotions are not permanent, and moments are not permanent. And to understand the value of all the good and all the bad and, and these things, but also to really understand the, you know, to celebrate the good. And I've been able to do that every little tiny victory, maybe yeah. not in a massive overt way. Like we we certainly don't, didn't throw big parties or anything like that all the time, mm-hmm. but I, internally I could look at that moment and go, you know, we did something really cool here and we, we accomplished this and, and I feel really positive about that, you know, and maybe yeah. that became a, um, uh, in a smaller way, something like every show that we would ship or every documentary that we were able to produce or all of that became something that I was able to kind of celebrate, you know, and all the, the travel that we got to do, like even on this, I just went and shot a review right now and was on the walk home and mm-hmm. I was just reminiscing of um, you know, the Matrix Four is in the news right now, mm-hmm. and I was reminiscing that one of the things that that I did when the first Matrix came out, it was Marcy's birthday, my wife's birthday around that time, mm-hmm. and I um, I couldn't think of a, a great gift to give her, and so I, I gave her um, I think I gave her a hundred bucks or something like that <laughs> <laughs> for her birthday. But, but what I what I did is I went off and I that's took that's a
0: terrible her. gift.
1: Well, here's here's the good part is okay. I took. I took pictures with all the things that she could she could get for a hundred dollars, and one of them was we could invite, uh, you know, eight of our friends to go see the Matrix or something like that. And yeah. I took, you know, I took a picture of me in line. For the Matrix One, because there was a big lineup to go and see the movie. And then I took a picture of a helicopter and said we could buy a, a, a picture of, uh, you know, tickets on the helicopter and go up to Grouse Mountain. And I just went around the city and I took yeah. photos. And so I put the money in a card with all those photos. So, and it just made me smile, you know? It's sure. Like, you know, that I was. That's a pretty my, good
0: gift. I'm sorry for laughing at it.
1: That's okay. I, I, it was a bad gift that I turned into a good gift. But it yeah. made, you know, like, but I, I, I guess I'm able to tap into positive memories or positive moments or positive Mm -hmm. achievements relatively easily so that I don't get mired in, in, you know, the, the negative stuff too much, but yeah, I certainly feel all of that, you know.
0: You're superhuman sometimes because, uh, you know, there would just be a whole whole shit ton of really upsetting things going on and, you know, production-wise or we were having a stressful day and somehow you just always had your sails up and your smile on your face and you, like, I've just never seen anybody able to do what you were able to do in the 10 or so years we worked together. It was amazing to watch, Vic.
1: Well, thank you. But, uh, you know, I think it came, it came from uh, I was always profoundly aware that what we had was precious and yeah. temporal and, um, you know, sustainable for as long as we poured everything into it. Yeah. And we had the longest run that you could imagine with the with kind of the traditional media kind of space. So I, I. I had that as my strength and I had that as my, you know, I, I, I just believed in our, 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 our combined power to build something. But yeah. I also had the, the uh, perspective of seeing where we had come from, right. h- how it was created initially and what we were able to achieve. And uh, I don't know if everybody that worked at EP at all, all the way along could really have that bird's eye because yeah. they were a part of the moments you know and they were building it brick by brick and and i had this crazy luxury of of seeing it you know come out of my my uh you know my my bedroom in my mom's house where my wife and i mm-hmm. were, were living because we were trying to save money and <laughs> And then seeing it sort of evolve from company to company to company and, or, you know, from office to office to office and, and, and continue to grow. So I I just, you know, I know that we achieve something impossible, Yep. but I hate to tie my optimism to just that, because I think I do have an innate optimism just to be able to think that any of this stuff was achievable and to walk into a room and talk to people and and pitch this and and find yeah. partners and and I think that that is definitely something that I have in my toolbox but mm-hmm. I also don't I I don't want to convey because I hate this I hate that we isolate any kind of like financial success or business success with true success mm-hmm. for an individual and um you, you know it it not about that to live a good life is not just about like seeing a, a business dream come together it's about knowing that your space and place in the world is important and you matter and uh, the relationships that you have with the people that you love and the friends that you have is is true success you know and yeah. to know that and to appreciate that and
0: yeah I think that's a really good point because I, I think, you know, our whole culture gets so wrapped up in success equals, you know, you're bringing in G's, you know, every day, yeah. every week. And you know, like, I've never made less money in my life than right now, but in some ways, I, I don't think I've ever been happier. Yeah. You know, because I'm really proud of, of the work I'm doing. And I really just kind of realize I'm just looking for ways to express myself. and Yeah. In what ways that that i 'm capable of expressing myself and 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 trying to find ways to use my expressions to inspire other people, and that gives me so much satisfaction and I say that all the time like that 's just a a refrain of of you know as my life goes on it's it 's like you get paid in other ways sometimes you, know? you do you do yeah. yeah
1: yeah, you do, and then you know honestly, sometimes I envy people that have a job that they do. And hopefully people that listen to this do their work as best that they can. You know, hopefully people aren't yeah. going to jobs that they hate. And and what I would say is if employment is the thing that drags you in your life the most, then, then let someone else have that job, right? You know, there are other jobs, but I think I, I do sometimes envy the person that has a good nine to five or or a traditional kind of hour kind of job. And, then they can put it away and have the most out of their real life, which is Mm -hmm. with their family and their friends. You know, uh, I think there's something beautiful about that. Mm -hmm. And one of the, I I think one of the dangers that we have in this era of everybody is a broadcaster is this artifice (laughs) that, that, that is perpetuated by, um, and I don't mean to sound like a cranky old man, but just this idea that every everything is perfect because of the the frame that you've put around your Instagram picture. Right. Uh, that's it, it's not reality, and uh, you, you know the moments that you have that aren't instagram that you can really love and appreciate that's reality and that should be your source of real optimism you know and honestly like i don't say this enough about marcy and and you know how she was my jet fuel all the way along you know my wife was there through every moment of me of me helping to define myself and completely selfless yeah and and still is you know like she, yeah. she just really it emboldens me and empowers me and supports me. And, um, you know, and it's not always easy. She thinks I'm crazy all the time, but she, yeah. she, uh, you know, and I, I, and I, I feel like that's the other key as well. Like, don't be so self focused on whatever success means to you that you don't let other people in because yeah. you need, you need them, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think the list of women who would put up with you is very short. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're a beautiful man, and, and you're lovely to be around. But like, you also, you know, I just think it's like Marcy. Marcy is the right person for you for sure. And and you're, I think you're right to give her credit um, because I think those days when maybe you are a little low, and I just wanted to shift into that conversation topic next um marcy's kind of there for you you know mm-hmm. like she kind of picks you up a little and keeps you moving in the right direction yeah um, and i think she's also a, a very useful uh reality check for you because i yep. know you, you get crazy sometimes but but what about days when you know maybe you are a little low like once every five years when it feels, <laughs> it feels a little frowny that day like like what do you do to, to sort like self-care what does victor do for self-care like what do you do to take care of yourself
1: Well, this I have to be honest. I think uh, Vancouver, as rainy and and dreary as it can be, has also taken really good care of me Um, because it's a city that doesn't matter how shitty it is outside, you can go for a walk. And I've I've known since I was, uh, you know, a little kid and I ran away from home and, uh, you know, hidden a tree until my mom found me. which I think a lot of us do that the nature around Vancouver has been a a, a life force. And so what I, what I do, um, and, and have done and I look and I reflect on my life, you know, even when I was walking with my daughter, when she was born and I'd push her all the way across the city in a, in a stroller on on a, you know, a a contemplative walk Mm -hmm. um, has been good for my soul all the way along. And so if I, I A, I think I, I have a little bit of self-care by forcing myself to do these reviews on the run still outside. and By and yourself. Yeah. Now it's by myself. But now, now I get comments on our YouTube channel. Like, why the hell are you shooting outside? Because there are kids who have no idea what the hell I'm doing or who I yeah. am and they don't know the context of refuse on the run at all but I'm that creepy guy's back in our neighborhood <laughs> but I feel like the act of doing that <laughs> has been a replenishing one because sure. I you know I, I I walk and I think and I talk to myself and yeah. I figure out stuff and and uh and I've been doing that my whole damn life and yeah. and you know and I I I'm kind of pissed off about how stupidly expensive Vancouver is, especially as as a you know somebody that's been able to be an entrepreneur in the city, and just thinking, how the hell would I be able to do that now again because of how expensive yep. it is here? Yeah. Uh, but I also feel like the city has been uh, instrumental to to me having uh, you know a pretty positive. Uh, outlook and, a, and an ability to get there. So I, that's what I say. And when I see my, my friends, because like we live in an era where, um, and I think it's beautiful, the expression of uh, feeling down or having some struggles with mental health mm-hmm. is totally commonplace and acceptable. And, I, and there are still strides we need to take. But I, often when I see my friends, uh, usually through Facebook or something, struggling with that, I, I suggest that they they walk in the woods you know like i I really feel like the the trees are there to not just give us air you know they're there to to um you know legitimately give us roots and and ground us you know like we we are a part of them as they are a part of us and and uh we live in a, 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 a an increasingly urbanized society, but I, I feel like that has been a great source of of solace for me is to be able to walk in the woods.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you go to Stanley Park? Like what woods are you walking in, buddy?
1: Well, that's that's the beautiful thing about Vancouver. I don't have to go far and I'm in the woods and I always have been able to. You know, I grew up in Kitts, so I would walk to down to the Kitts Beach area and Jericho Beach yeah. area. Uh, now I'm in East van, but I, you know, I walk around the Brighton park area or the P and E is not far from where we live. And, uh, you know, there's just, there's tons of nice trails and, and, you know, and frankly, when, when my family and I just want to like truthfully get outside and, and get away from our screens and, and just enjoy the reason why we live in this area, we go up to Lynn Canyon or, um, uh, you know, we, we bought uh, snowshoes so we can go snowshoeing up on Grouse Mountain. Oh, or that's or nice. Mountain you know, yeah. and all that's, I mean, that's the, that's the beautiful thing about living here, but I think that exists everywhere. Some, some places you may have to, you know, get in the car. I'm Toronto.
0: It. It's, there's, there's really <laughs> no trees here. There's like one, one tree downtown and it's
1: that, th- that was one of the things that really surprised me around about Toronto because you know, I'd go for fan expo. Sometimes I'd be there for like a week at a time and yep. I, I'd often stay downtown and I'd go, well, I just want to go for a nice walk. And I'd, I'd go out closer to the water, but then there's construction everywhere and there's stuff locked off in every direction. And it's like, this is not conducive to like wanting you to get out and and enjoy nature. Yeah. I miss grouse, man. I, I
0: like Vancouver was really the place where I, I really learned to appreciate nature for the first time in my life.
1: Yeah. It's important, you know, and I think so. I, 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 I'm, I I am open to change because I've been here for forty five years. Yep. Um, but I, I I will never ever you know if we do move or if something does change or whatever I will never not appreciate what Vancouver ha- has been for me. Yeah. Um, and if we don't change and we stay here, then that that is definitely something that uh, I appreciate every day. You know, it's a, it's a beautiful sunny day today. Just before I came in here and and yeah. Uh, you know, you look at the mountains, and, and it's it's pretty spectacular to appreciate all that.
0: I went to uh, Los Angeles last year, and I stayed with uh, Nathan and, and Courtney, and yep. um, they weren't home, so I was just like a school kid who, you know, his parents are out, and, you know, it was like February or March, and it's Los Angeles, so it's it's not bad out, and I'm out by their pool in the afternoon, and I hadn't felt sunlight. And maybe four months at that point, and so I just yep. i didn't have any you know like swim trunks or anything, so I just took off all my clothes, yeah, I mean, I left the underwear on, but
1: <laughs> as I just
0: you do. <laughs> as I do, and it just felt so good, and I just was like, i just I need more sunlight in my life. You know, and it just made me really happy. And I just realized like, you know, I'm I'm 50 now and I'm just learning the power of sunlight. You know, like, I don't know why I'm so like, thick headed about certain things, but I love it though. Man, it's I important.
1: It. Yeah. I mean, we, um, we uh, vacationed uh, because, you know, our kids in school. So we had March break where she's yeah. off. For, for like two weeks or something and and we oh you went after, to
0: los angeles
1: well we, we we i we just got back from because it was a, it was my birthday and my daughter's birthday last mm-hmm. week so we were just at disneyland but I a uh, a couple of years ago we went down to phoenix where our friends live half the year yep and it was like we marcy my wife and i really got it it's like this is why the snowbirds do this this is it right here yeah. you leave the the shit weather and you come down and you're, you're basking in the sun. You don't yeah. do anything, but you're just, you're, you get your vitamin D and then you go back for the crap weather or you yeah. go back for the nice weather when you get back to Canada. Yeah. It really kind of crystallized that, oh, this is why people live in two different cities.
0: So, Hey buddy, before you go, let's take a couple calls from yeah. listeners. Caller number one, go ahead. You're on the air with Scott and
2: Vic. Hey, Scott. This is Sean in Edmonton, Alberta. And I have a question about moods and how, at least for me, they seem to have a tendency of sticking around longer than I want them to. I have a difficult time kicking a bad mood in particular. And I was wondering if you have any tips or tricks on snapping yourself out of a funk. I think part of it is just that as much as I want to jump out of perhaps like anger into happiness, I'm also super aware of how jarring that might be for people around me. Like... Weren't you miserable just a second ago? Like, <laughs> How did you go from that to that? Um, so I'm just wondering about how to, A, kick yourself out of a, out of a bad mood, but then also how to handle that socially with the people around you, how to best guide them through the journey that you're on from, from bad mood to good mood. Anyway, I love the show. Thank you for taking my question, and I hope this finds you very well, Scott.
0: So Sean Capri, what would you say to Sean?
1: <clears throat> um... I, I I mean, that's, I think it's a different answer for every individual. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it is that trying to find a way to see yourself in the scene, I think is important. I think that...
0: Uh, so when you say that, do you mean it like an, in an actorly sense when you say scene? Like, what do you
1: mean? Well, I think it's just, I, I guess so, because that's terminology that's, you know, kind of uh, available mm-hmm. to me. And I yeah. remember being an actor in, in acting school and you're, you're kind of... Um, uh, you're kind of analyzing and, and aware of your your emotional spectrum, you're, you know, and you're asked to tap into things and you're asked to yeah, utilize um, inspiration from your emotional journey in mm-hmm. different kind of real scenes within a performance. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was a little bit like uh, um, getting therapy, a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's probably other ways to look at this but from my perspective it's like try to have a bird's eye on the moment Mm -hmm. you know take a second to kind of think about how you are impacting other people around you and how you look and how things really are in the context of your whole story um at that moment and Mm -hmm. see if um you can find some peace with it, you know, yeah. and I, but I also feel like emotions are valid and, mm-hmm. and, uh, they are for children and they are for adults. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes you just got to feel, and sometimes you need to remind people around you that it's okay for you to feel this, you know, yeah. Yeah. but you, you just don't want to be destructive. You know, you want to be constructive, even yeah. with your anger
0: yeah I started this new kind of therapy a couple of months ago where uh, we talked about things called stuck points uh yeah. where you just you know it's some it's like a hang up for you and and it's just like a it's like you know it's like in an old movie where you walk into quicksand inadvertently and suddenly you're sinking it's like and so I got these worksheets where I sort of learned how to understand. How this stuck point formed inside of me and that it has history and that it's informed by things that maybe happened in my childhood and then where it was reinforced by something that happened in you know when I was in my 20s and 30s and um, like I just sort of really enjoyed that part of the therapy when you would just kind of piece it up you know like it's almost like a a autopsy you know you just kind of pull this thing apart and you see how it works and once you understand why you are feeling the way you feel? Then I feel uh, I feel like you 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 it doesn't own you anymore. You own it. And yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think pulling yourself out of the situation, maybe going you know you mentioned nature. Like I don't think that's a bad place to go um, when when you're trying to give yourself some release, some you know some relief from whatever situation you're in, and yeah. and and just breathe some fresh air and calm down and. You know, maybe apologize if there were other people who saw you during a bad moment. No one sees you during a bad moment, but most people, most human beings.
1: Oh, I I have my moments. You don't have bad moments. (laughs) In in,
0: in the 10 years we worked together, I think maybe one time you were mad and (laughs) you were probably, you were mad at me for some reason. Oh,
1: I was mad at you and Koval. I remember that day very well because you guys were lost in, in, uh, you know, an argument or complaining about something that was happening with the shoot and and all of the sort of uh, uncertainty of what our future was going to be was was playing out behind the scenes and I wasn't really unloading all of that on everybody but uh, I was just like guys we have bigger fish to fry yeah let's let's get this done yeah I do remember that we're all gonna have blow-ups and we're all gonna be assholes and and I I think uh, um, just be aware of that. And yeah, you know, reconcile and, and apologize and, and, uh, and take care of yourself, you know? And, and I I do believe, and like there are studies like pop up on, on, damn Facebook every five days it feels like somebody posts something about going for a walk is really healthy (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like yeah no shit it is get out and go for a walk try it yeah Uh, okay let's take another
0: call hey you're on the air with Scott and Vic
2: hey Scott it's your friend Kyle from way up north in Barrie Ontario I've really enjoyed all the amazing stories that you've shared on heavily pixelated about all the great things that video games have done to help people through very difficult times and exploring all the the highs that video games can give us but I was wondering if you could maybe share some lows, um, an instance of a game that has made you feel maybe depressed or angry or some type of negative emotion that really isn't the reason why we play video games. I'm not talking about like you know being scared or sad. I think you know that can be a very powerful, moving experience in a video game. But I mean just pure negativity, like you you just you've regretted playing that or experiencing that scene thanks and keep up the great work oh it's a blast from the past it's kyle chenard from barry
0: ontario all right what do you think of what kyle what do you think of kyle's questions i miss his questions from
1: ep oh he's great he's Isn't very, he? very smart cat very empathetic yeah uh, a lot and, and uh you know has a great story throughout all, all of this it really does um Two things come to mind and I'll let you think about it for a second. Yep.
0: But there are two games that really pop out for me with this question. And one is uh, um, Hotline Miami. I don't know if you yeah. remember, there's two of those games Yep. and I just felt so gloomy while playing those games. And I really admire them, really respect them. And you know, Devolver uh, is the publisher for those games. But, I have to be very careful with that game, with that game, those two games in particular, because they just make me feel so low. And the other thing that makes makes me like it's sort of a nihilist entertainment. It's uh, the old Rockstar game, Manhunt. Oh yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah. not always. Like I finished it for sure, and but I just felt sort of I don't know perverse or perverted and it just felt it just felt kind of evil or something and and it yeah. just it created something inside me that didn't necessarily feel good so I do think that that those those kinds of uh, moods exist in video games but I, I'm very wary of them and I try to stay away from them uh if I can
1: yeah I mean there's certainly content that we can point to for sure and and that exists in um uh, television shows quite often for me too, because there was this era of uh, uh, Dexter and Sons of Anarchy and, you yeah, know, you know, Sopranos. And it just felt like there was this never ending S- The Walking Dead, the series of just shows that were bleak as hell. And, mm. I, and we had to start, Marcy who's going to
0: die this week.
1: Yeah. We had to start turning some of the stuff off cause it was just like what after a while it ceases to be entertainment. Yeah. My, my, my thought on this is a little bit different because I I have a uh, you know, kind of a, an industry kind of perspective on, on um, what depresses me. And I got to tell you guys or tell you that uh, honestly, like I just deleted PUBG, Fortnite and apex legends off of my xbox
0: wow
1: and and my I, i appreciate the success of those games and i appreciate there are millions of people that love those games yep um but i i feel like i've kind of had it with free to play i kind of feel like i've i've had my fill on the phenomenon of games that never end and just encourage competition and encourage, um, you know, uh, idolation of the, the, the better players out there. Mm-hmm. All of that is maybe healthy for an industry to make money and to churn on, yep. on, uh, attention. But for me, it feels, and I've had fun in those games too. I want to qualify that, but sure. I've had, I've had enough of all of those is mm-hmm. my, my point here. And I, Don't think we should have just more of the same game or more of the same styles of game. I think that it's good for the industry to experiment and try with different things. But Mm -hmm. I really relish concepts that have a beginning, middle and end Mm -hmm. and are made less about analytics and more about um, and and sort of appeasing what the community is looking for and wanting for from every season or iteration of right. a of a title, and more about an artistic kind of moment and an expression that has come together with a um, uh, a singular vision to deliver a finished thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like those games are the ones that matter the most in our industry. And those those types of games, are the, even if the other games make way more money and are actual industries under themselves. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like we uh, took our, our our attention away from, they don't necessarily have to be single-player experiences, but, but they are definitely story-based, narrative-driven, um, uh, character... Uh, focused experiences Mm -hmm. uh, that are incredibly accessible to people. And they were so important to us as a media group, as a television program, Mm -hmm. uh, focusing on content that looked like that. And then it feels like the video game industry started to make less and less of them as they focused on how do we make lots of money every month. Mm -hmm. And that depresses me. It depresses me that we have uh, shifted so much focus to replicating the success of some smash breakout thing, but I also understand it. I understand it corporately and business-wise, but I feel like, that you know, I I love this medium and I feel like the the road to more people caring about it is not, you know, trinkets in Fortnite or League of Legends. It is more games that challenge us like uh, The Last of Us or Spider-Man yeah, uh, you know, or Super Mario Odyssey or Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, not easy to make, expensive risks. Yep, but also incredibly aspirational, and incredibly influential. Um, and those are the moments in the games that we end up talking about. Now, I do feel that we're we're hitting the ceiling on a lot of these ever present free-to-play types of experiences, especially Mm -hmm. as we transition to uh, um, uh, more subscription-based services and people having access to content. And I feel like what's going to happen is the same thing that's been happening with Netflix and Disney Plus and Amazon is that those organizations need to deliver um, entertainment that everybody starts talking about. They don't Mm -hmm. just want to deliver, you know, 50,000 episodes of the same thing. They want to challenge right. us with lots of great ideas and i right. think that's what's going to happen with with subscription-based uh video games and, and it's going to be less overtly about selling you widgets in uh in these free-to-play never-ending kinds of experiences and i can't i can't wait for that transition because i've had enough of that
0: yeah i that's a great answer man uh just really sophisticated answer um and uh i'm just really impressed uh with your answer. Like that's, that's, you're, you're right about all of that. I mean, part of me, because I've been sort of on the other side of the barrier and I've been working on the business side, part of me just, I'm just like, this is, it's, this is a business. Like they just need to make money. They need to be in the black. They'll do whatever they have to. They don't care if they're knocking off somebody. There are little bits of originality out there, but I feel like they're fewer and further between. And it makes me sad. You know, I just replayed the last of us which came out in 2013, yep. because the the last episode of uh, Heavily Pixelated was uh, about a guy who really was reinvigorated by The Last of Us, and I I was just like, how have I forgotten about this game? I finished it, and I I'm playing it again, and I replayed the DLC. Like I like that that game is in my top five all time so favorite games. Yeah, I just yeah. like this this came out in 2013 yeah. which means they were making it in 2010 2011 2012 like yeah. it's an old game yeah but i had so many moments where i was just my eyes were misting up mysteriously and i'm not sure why you yeah. know i just like well it imp- was
1: a lot of people are calling that sort of era the uh, the you know ps3 xbox 360 era like the golden age because there was enough horsepower to really make cinematic quality experiences. And there were enough developers that could build to that. And what's happened of course, is that the, you know, the, the large scale developers have been disappearing and the focus has been more on, on a sustainable, um, ecosystem within one game than the idea of, um, Uh, launching a franchise and and iterating on that franchise and, and uh, you know, understandable um, business kind of maneuvers to kind of grapple with that and also grapple with technology like uh, VR and stuff. But we've also had a constricted channel in terms of like, who is going to be able to access this content. And we're about to cross a precipice here. I think that we're about to, it's not going to matter what screen you're, playing games on pretty soon. You're going to be able to access everything and that's going to challenge and change the really profound ways. Yeah. 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 Uh,
0: listen, I had another call, but, uh, but I I think that's enough for today. Like uh, your answers were so great. I just kind of want to leave it there. Okay. Are you okay with that? Yeah, for sure. Uh, man, I really appreciate you, you taking time to do this. You know, again, I, I think you, you've inspired a lot of people for, Oof, I don't know if I should say this out loud, almost uh, 30 years now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 almost, well, we're in my 25. Yeah. 25. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, it's crazy. Long time. I, I uh, people love you, man. They love you. And,
0: and there's a reason why they love you. And, and you're a very unique, weird individual. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very fortunate to call you a, a friend and, and I'm just happy you're in the world.
1: Oh, thanks brother. Yeah, I feel, the feeling is very mutual, and and I have to be honest. Like I feel like this is a very good move for you for the show because, you know, I think people have started to understand the depth of you through your recent work. Yeah. But uh, I think one of the things that we tapped into in your work with us is is your innate silliness, yeah, and, and your joy and your ridiculous laugh and smile and yeah. lightness. And all of that stuff is incredibly valuable in this world and and uh, um, I think that it, it, the more colors you show through your work the uh, the, the more special it will be and the, and the more people you'll reach.
0: Yeah, I think that's true and I just I also like the shows are just so hard to make, you know they're just so labor intensive and I just wanted something that was lighter. Yep. And just I could just sort of have a conversation with with somebody like you who's who's really a role model. I mean, that's the other thing I've realized is is that I'm a role model now and you're a role model. We're role models for people and we've lived a lot of life and and we're mostly intact, you know, and we're we're still doing what we love. And and I just feel like we have we have lessons that could be that can be useful to people. And so I'm just trying to create a forum where we can we can get those lessons across and people can listen and maybe be entertained and we can have a little bit of fun and and we can you know
1: bring our two sparks together and see what we make that's wonderful there's yeah. there you know there's a lot of ways in to uh, express yourself around this medium and and that's been one of the
0: I think so too.
1: Yeah, I I I just don't
0: like the cookie cutter old school stuff, you know? Yep. I, I really want I want new stuff. I want new takes. I want new feelings on things and I feel like we've grown up and games have grown up and you know, we need to start talking about games in different ways. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: I love you, Betty. Okay. Love you too. Good luck okay. with all this stuff and just have fun, okay? That's all we got. Yeah. You too. You too. I'll talk okay. to you soon. All right, man. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks
0: to Kyle Shenard, Sean Capri, and of course, the great Victor Lucas. If you've got a question you'd like us to answer on a future episode, record the question on your phone, attach it to an email, address it to heavilypix at gmail.com, hit send, and whoosh, your question will go in the queue chiptune music tracks provided by patrickdayartega.com. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Heavily Pixelated. Until then, I'm Scott C. Jones. Thanks for listening.